Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I was like, why don't I take like Zoloft? Like everyone I know is on Zoloft. And she was like, is it working for them? And I was like, no, not really. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Burning Okay, let's get the party started. What is up, you guys? I am in the scary dark depths of hell. It is a very, very hot one today. I am with comedian, writer, Ginny Hogan, also tweet master, Flex. Thank you so much. I'm so happy you've come to hell today. You're like one of those people I'm excited to have on because I could tell already that you're smarter than me. You're a stand-up, but you also write for The New Yorker, The Atlantic, The New York Times, Cosmo, The Observer. Forbes profiled you as a rising satire star, and you're also a top humorist of 2019. You also have published a book of humorous essays called Toxic Femininity in the Workplace, and you have a lot of projects coming up as well that you are writing for. But also, I love talking about any kind of toxicness in the workplace, and I did some research on you. Can you give us a brief background of kind of like what you did, how you came into comedy, that spiel for me? Yeah, so I used to work in the tech industry. I had this like really boring job where I just like crunch numbers all day. And um, I started doing stand-up comedy because one of my bosses quit. And then I like didn't have a new team for like a month. So I didn't have any work to do. So I just was like writing jokes. And I started going to open mics in San Francisco. And then from there, things kind of like spiraled out of control. And I had like quit my tech job within like a year because I was so burnt out. And then, yeah, it was How old were you when you got burnt out? like 25 but the year that I did stand up and worked in tech I like at some point my job kind of came back like I got a new boss and I was like just like I just had these like insane hours because I was leaving work really early so I was getting to work really early um and then I just kind of like decided I would crash my parents house in New York for a few months and then I stayed for like two years and um just did comedy I I thought I would go back to work in tech and I never did um so that's kind of how I got started as I I didn't really mean to quit my job to pursue comedy. I just didn't um, didn't find a new one. So, <laughs> and I kind of love that your experience at your job helped get you like your first really break in terms of comedy writing. Can you explain like why you wanted to write about toxic femininity in the workplace and like that kind of satirical topic? Yeah, totally. So I worked on like several teams of all men and they were just like so easy to make fun of. Like I had... <laughs> They truly, men are just, like, ridiculous. And if you, like, if you put them in a room where it's all them and, like, just one woman, they kind of act like you're not there. And, like, they kind of, like, it's almost like, I felt like I was, like, Jane Goodall, like, observing them in their natural habitat. Like, they're so (laughs) fucking weird. Like, they're just, like, truly insane. But um, I wrote this piece for The New Yorker that was, like, called Examples of Toxic Femininity that was about, like, what would happen in a hypothetically, like, all-female workplace. And it was, like... The joke was that like the company would still go under because everyone was like listening to each other and stuff and that like <laughs> and like ruining things. Sorry, I was just reading on your bio that it's based on men you work with who were by and large annoying. And 
Yeah. I, I want to read one of the examples. You wrote, Jessica begins speaking and no one speaks over her. She didn't actually have an ending to her presentation prepared because she was expected to be interrupted. She is mortified. It's <laughs> fucking amazing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that kind of thing, like, happened to me all the time. I would just, like, so assume that I wasn't going to talk in meetings that I would, like, completely zone out. And then someone would be like, what do you think, Jenny? Like, one guy, like, trying to fucking be progressive. And I was like, shut up. You know what I mean? Like, do this all the you're time. Like, you're not going to listen. And if you do, you're just going to repeat it to your boss and take credit for it. So shut exactly. the fuck up. Yeah. So I was like, I'd rather, like, be on Twitter. Like, please leave me alone. <laughs> it's funny because I was in sales where, like, at the end of the day, it's, whoever is making more money is doing better and like it does the other men don't affect me as much and I was doing really well and then the men started to talk about me being like oh, she's only doing well because she like giggles and flirts with everyone and I'm like yeah. okay cool who gives a fuck yeah who cares they're jealous who cares? They are bad at that you know what I mean <laughs> they're like yeah. oh well Hannah Hannah you know is a girl so it makes it easier for her I'm like okay so nothing has ever been easier for women like <laughs> and then I went to marketing where it was that was when I started realizing that like it was hard for me to get my point across where like you can tell sometimes men are just like before you start talking they're like I'm not gonna listen to what this is absolutely yeah so you're like why am I even fucking talking what are some other favorite kind of examples of toxic femininity that you remember you talked about? I guess like at, at work, um, I had a coworker who like threw a chair. Well, he was like so insane. Like he um, <laughs> actually like the book truly like people are always like, wow, all of your coworkers must have been so bad. And the truth is that like most of them were kind of like mildly annoying. And then like two were like so terrible and almost everything is based on those two. But like this guy, like one of the things he used to do is he would like yell like pussy like he would like call people a pussy like at work one time like I came into work late because I had a doctor's appointment he was like a child and he was like what doctor were you at like the gynecologist and then he like burst out laughing and I was like yeah like I go to the gynecologist like it's not embarrassing I don't know it was so insane like but those he, are the kind uh, of men that are scared of tampons exactly totally scared of tampons but then he <laughs> he eventually like after one of my bosses left a new boss came in and and like the my old boss was also really bad and wanted to kind of like protect him and then my new boss came in and actually this story ends psychotically but my new boss opened up an hr investigation into this guy alex right away because he was like so bad and kind of everyone told him about it right away i had to talk with hr and the hr guy was like okay what are some like i was like he uses inappropriate language and the guy was like what are some examples of like inappropriate things he says and i was like I, like didn't want to say it out loud so I kept being like he says like and then the HR guy was like do you want to write it down I was like no that's so much work <laughs> do you want to draw a photo of it <laughs> then, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I'll show you mine and um yeah I'll point to it but um <laughs> this was the most psychotic thing though is that after he got fired my boss wanted me to go through his laptop to see if he had like data that we needed stored on it oh no and I opened it up and the web browser is open to like 25 tabs that are all Gilmore Girls fan fiction. What? I know. <laughs> oh my god, that is so strange. I, my dad always talks about he was in the time of sales when like everyone first got a company laptop and he said like so many people were fired that first year just because they couldn't not go on porn on that laptop. Yeah. <laughs> And, yeah. like, the men, like, couldn't fathom that, like, they can't look at porn on this company laptop. And people yeah. were just dropping, like, flies. That's so funny. <laughs> How do you feel transitioning from, like, a tech space 
which is dominated by men to then the stand-up space that's dominated by men yeah stand-ups are like so creepy like (laughs) (laughs) in a totally different way (laughs) totally yeah yeah they're less like it's less like condescending and they're more likely to like follow you to the subway. I don't know. Like, um, do you find like the men in standup are like worse than the men you worked at in sales and marketing? In standup, it's at least more apparent that like we're female comics, you're male comics. There's some, in the entertainment industry, women are really making a come up because in the past, like they weren't allowed to be funny. Um, where in the work environment, I feel like people don't acknowledge it as much. Like, yeah, you, yeah, you're equal to us, but then they have tons of microaggressions. Exactly. Yeah, and stand up, it's like more overt, kind of like you'll just like a dude will just like say something like blatantly misogynistic and like think it's funny. Yeah, like they're like, well, female comics, you know. I mean, the recent thing is just how men are like, well, yeah, it's like a great time to be a woman right now. I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> I hate or like, and they act like anything they don't get is purely because they're not a woman or like someone of diversity and it's like maybe I don't I don't I know, know. like, like now of- you know what it's been like forever for like you there only be one female spot on the lineup or like yeah. one spot for someone of diversity in the lineup and god totally. forbid you're not getting everything now because now you actually have to make you have to work hard for it yeah exactly and like actually be good and like say something interesting I love that yeah. now I, I turned it into my own rant <laughs> well, I mean it's, it's like I feel like it's so important to talk about and guys like I'm like also there are so many white men writing on tv shows like there are still rooms of all white male writers it's not like it's like impossible to make it as like a white guy and like people truly act like it is no a hundred percent a hundred percent just because people aren't only looking for the next like white male star they think that like they don't have a chance and it's like imagine being a woman going to an industry that's only white men do you think that your past working in a male-dominant industry has helped you at all in terms of like not being intimidated or feeling like you have a purpose yeah I don't feel intimidated and I and that has been helpful or I guess I feel less intimidated but it also I feel like I'm desensitized a little bit there's like an old school kind of male comic who like generally dismisses social media as like a thing (laughs) that like women are successful at and like that doesn't matter and I'm like I truly do think women are better at social media because I think you have to like be smart and strategic and you can like go out and build your own audience instead of like waiting for someone to give you opportunities based on like because like men are getting opportunities because the people booking it are men you know Mm -hmm. whereas like social media it's like yeah if you're funny and you make good content you can like find your own audience there. Oh I'm so happy I have you on because I feel like you're you're really on the same page with this. Don't you feel like overall memes are kind of from a female perspective and but like it doesn't have a female face on it so it's kind of blown up like my biggest pet peeve is when like men will tweet things from a female voice because they know that people will like it like oh I'm gonna drink wine tonight and possibly cut my bangs like I know men who tweet that shit and I'm like shut the fuck up and be authentic to yourself don't try to like almost appropriate female culture because it does well online I also think like there are men who think of like selfies as like a thing that women get it's like you there's humor in the way you take photos and stuff like you know what I mean like that's more than just like being like oh look at my body it's like it's like a funny caption it's the same as a tweet you know and I think that there are men who are like well I can't do that because like people don't want to look at me um like shirtless and I'm like no of course they don't but like that doesn't (laughs) like that doesn't mean that it's not like a creative endeavor I also think that in the past comedy clubs are very intimidating like 
a bunch of girls don't just go to a comedy club. Like, I feel like it's dark and like, yeah, I don't know if it's been like a, a safe feeling space for women in the past, but the internet is full of women who are sharing to their friends. So like we've kind of taken over, I feel like a huge part of like Twitter and meme culture. And then it, now it's finally starting to trickle down to stand up. Like I've had clubs be like, we've never, like the audience I bring in, they're like, we love this audience. It's like girls who spend money, who are doing well <laughs> and like came to laugh and not like creep on people. Do you feel like guys are like weird, like, when you like go to clubs like male stand-ups will be like bitter that they don't have the same kind of following yes but it's like that comes down to the whole like new york state perspective of like who's a real stand-up right and, i hate that it doesn't mean anything and i when people i've had multiple men sit me down and be like just so you know like yeah you like sold out this and you like got past there but like real stand-ups, like how many basements have you bombed in? How many this have you whatever? And I'm like, honestly, call me a clown. Don't call me a stand-up because I'm like playing by my own rules. And I, because if I went by your rules and your ladder, then I would then be like knocked down. That's how you get hold back by the mans. Exactly. Also, stand-up is so dumb. It's like the only art form where it's like, if you want to be good at it, you have to prove to everyone how bad you were at it. For oh really my god, I know! I was probably similar to you where like I was working at Betches where I was writing like 80 tweets or memes a week and I called it like Betches boot camp. Like I was just, and memes and tweets are a form of joke writing. So I was doing that for like two, three years before I went on stage. But by the time I went on stage, I had so many jokes and I was love performing. So it wasn't like it was really raw, like, my first time I've ever said a no. joke. Yeah, and some people just have a natural stage presence and, like, are funny right away. And it's, like, I think the only people who think you have to be terrible at first in order to someday be good are people who are still not good. You know, it's, like, <laughs> people who are, like, I'm still in this learning phase where, like, I'm gonna, yeah. You're so funny because what people will do, like, I will crush and they'll be, like, but have you? How many times have you bombed? I know, it doesn't make any sense. It's, like, it's like should I have bombed? Yeah. <laughs> but also, like, as women, we deal with so much, like, society wanting us to feel bad about ourselves, wanting us to be scared, wanting us to be insecure. So it's like, I feel like the more you crush, the better. <laughs> Even yeah. if you lie to yourself after and said, you know what, at least I'm happy I nailed that one joke I was working on. Like, we, we're different than men in a lot of ways. And I think that we have to be positive and confident and build each other up instead oh. of like, putting yourself in situations to, like, make yourself feel insecure I know that's the thing I think it's because men don't have enough natural insecurity that they like <laughs> to like get like brought down to earth but women are already down to earth you know <laughs> I'm gonna try to feel what it's like to not have everyone believe in me for a second yeah, yeah and that's what I need to like be yeah no it's like I feel like I've just like have developed a thick skin from like existing in the world and did not I mean I've bombed many times but like I don't think I needed like a year of straight bombing to like have a thick skin and be able to handle like a new joke going badly or something yeah but I, turning back to you I want to know what is your biggest like insecurity right now physically or emotionally yeah my biggest insecurity I'm just like very concerned about my ability to like write the kind of stuff that will be like kind of mass consumed I guess or to sort of grow the way that I write like I think I like have I've like really focused on the few things that I do like I write satire pieces 
and I like write tweets and then stand up, it feels almost like just like a collection of tweets, but like eventually, like those things are all just so short form. And I'm like in, insecure that I'll be able to like add like themes to my writing or something or like create some kind of like longer narrative. Like I just like, I feel like I, at every stage of my career, I have an insecurity that I won't be able to take it to the next step. And that mm -hmm. feels like the next step. And I'm like unsure about how to get there. Like I want to like write movies someday or like write a full TV show or like write a novel. And I'm just like, that kind of stuff I haven't done before. And so I'm like worried that I won't be able to, to do it basically. I feel like if you didn't have that anxiety, that would mean you're content and you're like never going to do that stuff. But the then, fact that like after a certain point when you feel really comfortable, you then are thinking about, okay, how do I reach that next step? And it's going to be hard. Is you just like being a type A like person that's going to accomplish a lot. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> if I were confident that I was able to write a novel, that would be an insane thing to be confident about. You know <laughs> yeah, or like if you weren't anxious about if you can go the next step, it means that like you don't give a fuck and you're just going to be like tweeting for the rest of your life, which could be fun, but it's not what you want. Yeah. I'm also, I have a lot of insecurity about aging and I know, and I feel weird talking about it because I know I'm not like old. I, I turned How old are you now? I turned, I'm 29, like pretty newly 29. When did you turn 29? Like April. So I guess actually not even that newly. <laughs> I turned it in August, but we're basically the same. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How are you feeling about being 29? Um, I keep saying I'm 28. Like it feels like a weird age. Yeah. And um, 30 seems like so big. Right. That's the thing. I have <laughs> in my mind all these things I would accomplish by the time I was 30. And it doesn't, that's like intimidating. Also, something could happen when you're 31 that will oh, just be like fucking huge that like you wouldn't think you'd got until you were 50 and it's like nowadays I think timelines are fucked I mean my parents got married at like 24 like it's been it's yeah. been butchered I'm already past it but I do think it is it's a weird age because we feel young but then societal standards for women in the past 50 years means like we are literally like we should start freezing our eggs that's the thing that really I think gets in my head is the fact that like our fertility has not like I think 30 <laughs> I think like 30 year old the 35 year old men I know act like teenagers like and it's just like our bodies haven't really kept pace so I'm like it kind of sucks like I live in a studio apartment I don't feel any need to change that but like it you know like when how much longer am I going to be able to have kids like that kind of thing it just feels very unfair that like that hasn't adjusted I love that we keep talking shit about men on this but it's yeah. true in that Men in their 20s while I was in my 20s, it just wasn't working out. They don't have to cope with some of like the past traumas to like understand intimacy and understand healthy relationships because they don't even want a healthy relationship yet, a lot of them. Yeah, no, they're children. But then I've recently met like a 44-year-old and he is like perfectly in the right emotional headspace. And I'm like, yeah. this is crazy that I needed yeah. like a 44-year-old. And he probably feels a similar timeline for having children. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like yeah. men in their 30s are like, I don't need to have kids yet, you know? He literally and said to me, he goes, whenever you want, like, if you want them tomorrow or in 10 years, I don't care. It's like, I'm ready when you are. How did that make you feel? Was it, like, stressful or nice? It was nice. But then part of me has deep, deep down feels sad. Like, oh, like, he's already lived so much life without me. But then yeah. it's like, I'm happy that other girlfriends fixed him a lot of the way. Oh, I feel that about my boyfriend so much. <laughs> like, he told me this long story about how, like, he was having trouble with intimacy, and this girl just, like, had to, like, break it, break it through him, and all this yeah. stuff, and part of me was getting kind of jealous, and then part of me was like, oh, thank God that wasn't me. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I get my boyfriend's divorced and I like am really grateful for his ex-wife. Like I tr- he's like very house trained, like in a way that other guys I've dated aren't. Like he's like, Oh, I bet. And I know I've been that girl for other girls who are now dating the guys I was with. Like yeah. I broke them for them to realize they had to work on shit. Yeah. So we're all here helping each other. Are, that's the thing is, yeah, it's like about being grateful to the other women who fix the men. And do you feel like because he was divorced that he's learned stuff about relationships that like an average guy in their 20s who hasn't been divorced doesn't know? Totally. And he like, you know, what's so crazy is I think that it's proof that like millennials are so commitment phobic that like everyone I've said that he's divorced to like all my friends have been like, that's a really good sign because it's like, like, I just kind of assume everyone's going to get divorced. Like, I don't see why marriage has to last forever. But like, someone who's willing to get married in the first place is like not afraid of commitment. You know what I mean? And like, most of the guys I've dated, like the idea that they would ever want to commit to someone is like, so far fetched that like, it's nice to know that he's like, capable of doing that. Yeah, it's nice to know that at one point he was like, yeah, let's give this a try. Because there's no 100% people like, you know, you know, but no one really fucking knows. That's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. And like, I would never like, I don't think it's weird when people get divorced. Like, I don't think it's like a failure. I think it's just like, yeah, people change and you, you yeah. can't be positive. Yeah. I once had this woman, uh, Margaret Josephs from Real Housewives in New Jersey on, who ended up leaving her family for like the guy who was like developing their house. And I was like, and she ended up marrying him. And I was like, do you regret like marrying the other guy and having kids with that guy? And she was like, no, that was the guy I was meant to have kids with. Those guys meant to marry at that time in my life. And maybe there would be fewer divorces if you didn't go in so like, I have to get married at this age and it has to be the number one and they have to be my perfect person. Totally. Yeah, Yeah. Do you like, do you see marriage as like a thing you want? I do. I'm not one to like talk about it a lot. Like I just dated a lot of guys in my twenties who I was just like, yeah, I want a boyfriend. I'm dating. Yeah. And I felt like deep down, I would know if I saw like marriage material in a guy. (laughs) I love to spin it on them. Like, am I, are you fucking boyfriend material? Shut the fuck up. I think I want to have children one day and have like a husband that I'm legally bound to, I guess, to have children. But I also take my happiness above all of it and I would I'd rather be happy than married if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, no, I'm the same way. It's like it would have to feel like it was enhancing my life at that moment in time kind of. Exactly. And I haven't even like thought about babies, so that's yeah. for when we're 35 and we do another check-in on burning in hell. Yeah, that's the thing. That's what makes me mad about aging is I don't want to think about these things yet. So I like resent that there are people like my friends from college are having kids. Like I'm like mad at them. <laughs> <laughs> but then some friends have kids and I'm just like oh thank god I'm not doing that now but I feel like I'll wake up one morning and be like I know and I think with the right guy I'll be like I want to procreate with you may I ask um your boyfriend what industry he's in he is a musician he works in television he like writes the score for tv shows he's a creative man he's a creative man but it's nice because I've dated so many comedians and like while I like that they're creative there's also this underlying competition and like they you know like are insecure and I have to like deal with all their insecurities and I don't feel like I could like tell them if something is going well for me so it's nice he's creative in like a completely different field that so I also told myself I'm never gonna date a comic again but somehow I'm dating a comic right now but because he's 44 he's at like such a different place in his career where I feel like there's no comparing and also he's like kind of 
impressed by all the like media stuff that I'm doing because he didn't have that on the rise and he feels like I can help him a little and like so I don't know if I could date a comic who was like in a similar place in his career than I am yeah that's amazing that he's like so impressed by it though because it is so impressive and I feel like people who aren't who don't do it like sometimes don't recognize like how much work goes into it but I also with you as a writer as someone who loves to write (laughs) Do you have any advice for people out there who love writing in terms of kind of how you get inspired by stuff or what you do when you're in, you know, a non-creative mental place? Because it's not like, oh, just answer these emails. It's like, come up with something that's great. I think like for my satire, I keep like a running list of ideas as I have them. So like then, and I don't have time to like work on most of them right away, but like basically like what'll happen is like, I'll kind of like be maybe reading something and then I'll think of some funny like oh what if this were like flipped on its head and you did it like you reverse like instead of it being about like men it's about cats or something like that kind of thing like just like some weird thought about it and then I write yes and once I have like the premise I don't have to be feeling that creative to actually just like force the thing out but I don't know I also will keep like a running list of tweets and sometimes I get tweets from like a thing that I've sort of said in conversation or like was about to say and I don't want to tweet it out for like another month because I don't want my friends to be like why are you using our conversation for tweets like that kind of thing so like I don't know yeah and then you actually you don't get that feeling of ever being like empty because even if you don't really love the idea you know there's potential in it yeah exactly that you can like what was I gonna say oh yeah when you're writing stand-up how do your tweets affect your stand-up material or how do you take it from this sounds good on paper but how can an audience laugh Yeah, well, when I was going to open mics, I would just, like, truly, like, whatever I tweeted that day, just, like, try it on stage, and if it got, like, as much as, like, a little chuckle, I would, like, keep working at it, but I would throw out, like, most tweets don't work as stand-up jokes, but then every once in a while one does, so I would just kind of, like, throw out, like, most of them, but I did think of Twitter as, like, the most useful tool for stand-up and, like, figuring out whether or not something was funny, but then along the way, I just became, like, fully obsessed with Twitter, and it's, like, kind of its own thing. Yeah, tell me about your Twitter journey. Um, I'm actually taking a break from Twitter right now, which has been, (laughs) here's like a, okay, so I'm like a crazy paranoid person, but I deactivate, okay, so I started Twitter probably like two and a half years ago, like tweeting Mm -hmm. intensely, and like, I just like do so many things to fuck myself over in the algorithm, like I'll follow and unfollow people, like, I like, will tweet way too much, and then like delete all my tweets, like basically, I and then last week, I got in this like fight with this like, Indiana mom about Pete Buttigieg and it wasn't like a big deal but I spent 45 minutes just like being angry and I was like I can't do this anymore I cannot waste my time like this so I deactivated my Twitter and then I was like you know what I think it's weird to deactivate because people think I like got canceled so I brought it back (laughs) and just decided to like not use it but then my tweets were all doing really badly and I was like I think I've just like done so much weird shit it's like you know like when, when you like do too much to your hair and you have to just like grow it out kind of like yeah that's like how I feel about Twitter right now. I'm like, I need to just like take a breather and like let the algorithm reset because I've like fucked myself over. I feel like a couple times I've been scrolling my feed, like definitely during Black Lives Matter, I think maybe even some Me Too stuff. And I feel like you are not afraid of like getting into it with people on Twitter. Oh no, I get into it with people. Yeah. And people get into it with me. And I like, another thing is I'm, my new resolution is to not respond to people attacking me and like not read the comments because there was like a while where I was just getting attacked all the time and I don't even think I was getting attacked more than a lot of people I was just responding too much (laughs) well but then the whole don't read the comments it's like then you can't read anything because when you go to read a comment you don't know if it's going to be someone attacking you or someone being like hey love this article yeah exactly and then you hurt your own feelings just (laughs) 
are you naturally a confrontational person? Kind of. I was like a really competitive debater in high school. So I like it. Like, that's the thing yeah. is like, I think my friends are like, just don't respond to these people. And I'm like, but I like it a lot. Like, that's the only thing that makes me feel alive it is fighting with random people. Yeah, I don't know. Do you feel like, is Twitter like okay for your mental health or does it like? It's funny because Instagram is like my main platform. So I really use Twitter to just write the tweets so that I can then screenshot the good ones to put it on my Instagram. Makes sense. You'll see like three tweets in a row of me just like rewording something to see what does better. Like I don't put any like ego involved in my Twitter. But then when Summer House airs, I am naughty and I will watch the episode and then watch what everyone's live tweeting and I will hurt my own feelings so easily because one person will be like Hannah's so right and Hannah's the coolest the next person will be like is anyone else so annoyed by Hannah's face like everything she said is fucking annoying and then you just keep looking to be like okay well I need another good tweet about me and like also who tweets about reality tv like and (laughs) that's the person people yeah yeah no I think like people truly and something I've realized as I've like gotten more into Twitter people don't realize it's like a real person on the end yeah, of that thing they like, don't they, like tweet treat me like I'm like an entity or else maybe they like want to hurt my feelings but like when people just comment like not funny on my joke I'm like you know I'm like a person reading this like you would just say nothing like also you're not saying it for people to like rate you this isn't like a Yelp review on a tweet yeah. like that's not the point of it but how is your mental health right now? We're in the quarantine, you're a writer, so at least that's nice, but like, do you deal with anxiety, depression, PTSD, OCD? What's what's going on with you? I would say like, I feel pretty like controlled by my anxiety. Like that's definitely like the biggest thing. Like it's mm-hmm. like, has really taken over. I'm like also like, I get really depressed. I was on an antidepressant for a while, but it was making me super anxious. I was on Wellbutrin, so I went off that. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm on Buspar. I just started it. Have you heard of it? No. Okay, I, no one I know has heard of it or taken it, which kind of alarms me. But then my therapist was like, I was like, why don't I take like Zoloft? Like everyone I know is on Zoloft. And she was like, is it working for them? And I was like, no, not really. <laughs> I don't want Zoloft and like still depressed. So like. I'm on like 20 milligrams of, it's called Paxil. And like, I don't, I don't know anyone else who's on it, but I don't like talk about it that much. But it's something that like in college I was on and then I got off it. And then when I was feeling really anxious again, I just like went back on it. But I, I guess I, I never even tried another one because I was, like, not having any, like, really bad reaction to it. That's the thing. If it doesn't do anything bad, like, yeah. It, yeah. That's do we like, know if it's do anything? No, but at least I'm not, like, worse. <laughs> yeah. And if there's – I do believe in placebo effects, and I do believe that, like, if you're taking that little pill in the morning makes you feel, like, a little more stable that you won't have a mental breakdown that day, then, like, that's whatever helps you. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's what's going to happen with the view spar. Yesterday, I, I started it two nights ago, and I the first night I felt kind of like almost like a high, which I did mm-hmm. not like. Like, it wasn't a good high, and I'm like sober, and like, it was just, I, did, I didn't like it at all. But then, like, I just do feel like slightly less anxious, like I slept a little bit better. So, like, I don't know. I'm hoping that it And works. it takes time, yeah. How long have you been sober? I've been sober for like almost a year and a half. I'm, so, I'm like completely sober from alcohol, and then I kind of do want to just be like generally sober, but I, I never like had a problem with weed. I just never liked it that much. So I don't like, I don't smoke weed, but I haven't like tracked how long I've, it's been or anything. Yeah. And I don't really do any other drugs. I've like taken Clonopin and stuff, but um, yeah. So you basically are like dealing with your own sober thoughts all the time. Yeah. And that's really like kind of a lot, especially in quarantine. It's like, on the one hand, it's been nice because I haven't, there's been no pressure to like go out, which is good for sobriety. But on the other hand, it's like, 
yeah, I just have my own thoughts like every hour of the day and there's not that much to distract me except the internet and it's just like so crazy. And the internet, it can be the ultimate trigger. But sometimes I did feel like when I, when I was anxious, drinking is literally made me more anxious the next day. So it's like, I'd rather learn to cope with my own sober thoughts than like, just like not be sober and postpone the sober thoughts. Cause like, they're not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Is your partner sober? He's not, but he never drinks around me, which is really nice. That is uh, nice. Yeah. I had thought I wanted to date someone like 100% sober, but it, it has not been like an issue. I think it would have been an issue if I were like earlier into sobriety. Yeah, the guy I'm actually seeing right now is sober, but like since he was like 19. And I, I'm not a big drinker and I find like you really have to find someone who's partying is compatible with your partying. People don't talk about that enough. Yeah, like yeah. your idea of like a good downtime needs to be compatible because like you want to totally. enjoy your downtime with the person you love. Yes. Is it is yours compatible with your boyfriend? I think it is because I love just like petting my cat and watching TV. Like I'm yeah. so fucking boring. And people yeah. like after comedy shows will like try to give me cocaine and like be like, let's party. And I'm like, I know I seem like the fun girl, but like it's exhausting to be fun. <laughs> it's exhausting. And those you don't have to do those things to be fun. Like, you know what I mean? Like doing comedy is fun. Like that's Yeah, and also I am not that fun when I'm drunk. I get sleepy. I like will fall. I'll spill everyone's drink. Like I'm actually not very fun when I'm drunk. Yeah. But no, I feel I- like I disappoint people, but like I just I'm Italian. I'm good at eating. <laughs> yeah no I always feel like I'm like kind of more like I just appoint people with my like sober personality but then I'm like when I was drinking I would just like get really drunk and wander off so I don't think I was that fun then either yeah, I, know. <laughs> I would just like put my phone away because I know I would break it and then eventually I had Irish exit yeah I love an Irish exit yeah fun question for you if you went to a psychic today what would you want to know about your future I mean, this isn't even about me, but I would want to know when quarantine's going to be over, like, in, <laughs> in the United States in general. Like, that would be my number one question. I would want to know if I, like, continue being a writer, because, like, I think one big thing I've gotten out of the pandemic is, like, I used to think, I mean, I used to not do it at all. And then once I started, I was like, this is the only thing I'm ever going to want to do. And now I'm like, maybe this is just a phase in my life, and I'll do something else later. Um, so that's what I'd want to know. And... Yeah, I guess that those are kind of my two. I mean, I'm curious if I'm going to like stay with my boyfriend long term, but I, I feel like it's too early for me to ask. Like even the idea of me asking a psychic that gives me anxiety, which is like yeah. just how anxious I am. But like, <laughs> I do not want psychics to tell me anything with my love life because I, I just, it freaks me the fuck out. Anything about my future, which yeah, I guess I didn't think about it. I thought that was me being calm and being like, I have my own path, but just me being too anxious to be able to handle any kind of hint about the future. But it's like, you know, I had to deal with your anxiety. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. like yeah. I'm the kind of person that if someone said to me, like, you're not meant to work out with your boyfriend, I like wouldn't be able to get it out of my head. And I wouldn't be able to be like my own person and be like, fuck you. I'd be like, oh my God, I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Imagine yeah. me going up to my boyfriend and be like, a stranger said we're not meant to be together. So I don't know what to, I don't know where do we go from here. Yeah, no, it would really stress me out. What would you want to know from a psychic? I'm really against being goal-oriented right now in my life. Even you being like, will I be right or whatever? I feel like you're going to be so many things. Yeah. Yeah, like you're going to have so many projects that you think of like what you're doing now. You couldn't have even predicted it two years ago. Yeah. And I kind of know that like there's nothing I'd rather get involved with than comedy and entertainment. I guess I'd want to know like if I will have like a stable family structure because that's what I like always thought I'd have when I was young. 
And then now, because my career's gotten so weird and crazy, I actually got worried once I got a little bit of this like reality TV fame that like I'm not gonna be able to like date normally. Like yeah, I can't just like yeah. meet a normal guy. Yeah. Or like a normal guy would like know stuff about me from the show. And then like if you're filming, that means normal guys have to possibly film with you. Like it just fucks up a lot of like natural totally. dating. Yeah. Which no. is healthy. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Do you feel does your boyfriend come on the show with you now? Not yet. Okay. Yeah. But I think he will. Yeah. But it's still not I it's never ideal. No, <laughs> it's never like a good thing for the relationship. Right. And I just like I don't like that someone can like Google me and find my tweets and before they've met me. Like it just like on the other hand, like it is kind of nice to be like, Well, someone's freaked out by this, then it's I'm glad they know now. You know, yeah. and then can just do you have any um, strategy for your tweeting? Because you've been tweeting for a long I, time. Because I have those things where I'm like, I'm never going to be able to do a good tweet again. And then the next day something comes to me and I'm like, oh. Yeah, I usually do just like wait for them to come to me. I'm like trying to work now on like algorithmic strategies and just like not tweeting too much so that stuff will like be more successful. Because um, I know it's really bad bad if you just tweet like 10 times in a row and delete them all like I know that those tweets don't, don't get like other people but I do that all the time anyway um all I do is like, I don't tweet for like a week and then like one night at 3 a.m I'll tweet like 15 things and then I'm gone for yeah. a week so that's my yeah. strategy I want to wrap this up with a final game okay. called the seven deadly sins are you ready Jenny yes seven deadly sins what are you greedy about? Tweets. I want so many. I tweet them all. I'm extremely greedy. Oh, I also chew like three packs of gum a day, but that's just like a gross, anxious. Wait, please explain why. I just like, I think I have an oral fixation that I never like dealt with. And I just like always need gum. And I, I chew like three pieces at a time. I chew it like under a mask. It's like gross. I'm like, is this a gross, like, also, I'm like concerned. I've had a grape stuck in my tooth the whole time. <laughs> I can't even, I can't see. It's too pixelated. Okay. Who are you envious of? I'm envious of people who seem to have like, who seem calm. Like anyone who's not stressed out. Like I'm <laughs> an anxiety disorder. I'm envious of. Do you feel like most people do have anxiety? Or do you feel like yeah. you have it worse than a lot of people? I don't think I have a worst. I mean, maybe I, I have it on the worst end, but I feel like almost all my friends have really bad anxiety. So that's the nice thing is I'm not widely envious. Like it's like every once in a while I meet someone who doesn't have anxiety and then I'm like, that's amazing. This podcast, I literally like take people that I think have like their shit together and then just get them to tell me that they're anxious messes. And then I f it just makes me feel better about myself. Yeah. No, everyone's an anxious mess for sure. And, and then people just cope with it differently or show it differently. Yeah, yeah. No, I try, and when I meet someone who I don't think is anxious, I really try to, like, dig in. Figure <laughs> them, I'm like, I do whatever. Like, I really I'm like, so your parents really loved you. Does that ever make you feel like you um, have pressure to be loved all the time? Yeah. <laughs> they lied to you? Do you think yeah, if they're yeah. covering something up? Yeah. yeah you, could, you could find something. No, I, I, I search, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I even growing up, I would think, like, there's no way that someone, because of success, is, like, that much happier than everyone around them. And it's really true that, like, the grass is not greener, and your fame and your money does not equate to, like, mindfulness and, like, calmness in your heart. No, not at all. Yeah. yeah. And some people are not meant to have, like, these crazy, obviously, like, entertainment um, 
successes some people actually like are just so in alignment with like whatever their other job is that like we may be like oh you know they're not chasing their dreams no some people are like meant to be even if it's just a housewife or like meant to be a landscaper and they're fucking amazing at it and it fulfills them so much and like I'm envious of that (laughs) yeah yeah totally Yeah. yeah what are you gluttonous about besides gum gluttonous about oh yeah that was probably a good one for gluttony. um I take like four showers a day oh I love that do you wash your hair no I only wash my hair like once a week maybe like twice a week I just like anytime I need like a mental break I like get in the shower it's not good for like the environment like I feel bad about it but (laughs) but not that I feel worse for myself so, yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'm <laughs> like my emotional needs like over surpassing environment right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a tendency like whatever happens during the day, like even if I party and I get home at two a.m., like I need to shower. Yeah, because I like hate going to bed feeling like sticky or sweaty, and yeah, I get yeah. my friends make fun of me so much. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I shower at the end of the night. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. No. When was the last time you experienced extreme wrath or anger? Um, I was really angry at this, like, mom from Indiana who was, like, attacking all my tweets, like, a week and a half ago, maybe, like, two weeks ago at this point, which is why I initially deactivated. She just, like, she just, like, commented, like, idiot, 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 idiot on, like, eight tweets in a row, and I was just, like, I hate you, and I should have just blocked her. What was your comeback to that? Um, I went through her Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so embarrassed about this. That's why I had to deactivate. I was like, who am I becoming? But she had some really problematic tweets that were like so much, like she had a tweet that was like, Mike Pence gave Indiana AIDS. And I was like, I fucking tweet that. Like she had another one that was like, let me, let me get this straight. Just because I'm white, that means that I love slavery. Is that what everyone is saying? And I was like, no one's saying that. Like chill the fuck out. So then did you call an idiot? No, I just, like, kind of, like, felt satisfied. No, like, I just spent a lot of time, like, being satisfied in my own head knowing that she was so crazy. But I was, like, yeah, it was, like, just really insane. Like, I just went down, like, a deep rabbit hole of her Twitter. I will do that where if someone says I'm something really fucked up, I'm, like, okay, who is this person? And then I see, like, their other thoughts. Like, they complained about me on a reality show, but then they also complained about, like, the Walmart employee, like, the subway that morning. Like, they yeah. complain about everything, and then I feel less, like, attacked. Do you ever, like, comment on people saying mean things about the reality show? Are you on the show? I rarely do. But every now and then, like, I try to make a joke out of something. Like, someone's, like, Hannah needs to brush her hair. And yeah. I'll be, like like I know like some like people will say stuff like like, just about me being greasy or whatever and I'll be like yeah I'm Italian like I have greasy skin um or someone was like Hannah's had Botox and it's really embarrassing how bad the Botox or something like that and then I'll just like post a photo of me like moving my eyebrow you can't like logically explain yourself when people are like coming at your character that's really true yeah but those are the ones that hurt the most yeah yeah when was the last time you were like a complete lazy piece piece of shit sloth oh man like all the time I went to the beach like two days ago like it was like a Wednesday well my sister was staying with me so we had plans to go to the beach but I like had all this work I had to do and did none of it and then just like sat at the beach for hours and then came home and we like ordered takeout like all the time I'm, I'm like I've been so lazy in quarantine and then like I truly like I take a nap every day and I'm like cranky if I don't <laughs> I took I took Yesterday, I woke up at 10 to do a podcast, and then after the podcast, I was still in bed and decided to close my eyes, so I took a nap at basically 11 a.m., and then I took a nap at, like, 8 p.m., 
which is like, that's not smart, but I just like, I just love sleep too. And I realized we joke about depression naps. It's actually like an anxiety nap for me where I'm just like, I don't really feel like being alive during these next three hours. Me too. Yeah, so I'm I just going to not. Yeah. Reality. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> it's like the safest way to check out of your life. Check out, yeah. When was the last time you let your pride get in the way of something? Almost certainly something on Twitter. <laughs> like Twitter is like so bad for my mental health. Um, is it funny of- that like you have a huge following? You have like over 75,000 followers. Has it become worse for your mental health the more popular you've gotten? Yes. And I also feel like I've become less popular the more popular I've gotten. Like I can just tell how many people have muted me and like, which is kind of a relief. Like when I realize someone who like, if I have like a big follower and I realize they muted me, I'm like, this is kind of nice that they're not seeing all this dumb shit that I'm saying. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's gotten worse than I told. But I'm trying to think if I have like an example when pride got in the way. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I had like pitched a project a little while ago and it just like, it's not even that it's not going to go through, but I was like, it's been really slowed down by me having like this like very exact vision for it. And I now, mm. and I came around to sort of like changing the details um, to like accommodate what the people wanted, but it would have just gone so much faster if I had like been willing to, like, I just sometimes won't take edits from the start. Like I'll just like be resilient. And that's like a really bad habit in a writer for sure. I should like accept edits. Yeah. And I think, cause you're also a performer, like you know that like you can write something and make it work. I'm the same way, especially with comedy, where I'm like, if I thought it was funny, why don't you think it's funny? If I think yeah, it's funny, it's funny. Yeah, and, exactly. and that you have to see that like there are other, other ways for it to be funny, and also there's other powers that be who have like requirements. Like, ugh. but when you have like a due date for something, and you're like, how do you get fire under your ass to finish something creatively? Because if it's like, oh, I have to answer these emails, that's easy. But to, there's always that tension of like, I have to do this, and what if I don't? think of like what I need to think of that's a huge anxiety for me like a big insecurity is that I'll just like stop being creative I think like fortunately a lot of the stuff that I have that like has specific due dates it's like there's always kind of weirdly administrative stuff that can be done around it even if it's a creative Mm -hmm. project like I can always be like okay these are like the beats it needs to have like Mm -hmm. let me think logically about how to like heighten it like so even if I'm not writing jokes there's like stuff I can do when I'm not feeling funny to like make it so that like the last step is just adding jokes basically yeah so that's one of the things I do if I'm like not in the mood to to be funny but yeah it is like a huge anxiety that like I don't feel like I can just like force myself to be funny and that I might someday just like run out of it and be unable to like finish something I'm supposed to finish yeah that f word is key like if you can't force yourself to be funny and that's why I think when people are like oh what's your process for tweeting I'm like if I was like you have to tweet every day I don't think it would be funny it's more yeah. like I have to feel inspired even if I'm like just like scrolling twitter to get inspired I just still have to be in the mood to get inspired <laughs> like you can't fake inspiration and creativity but yeah. I do think that there are ways that you can find like yourself to want to do it like put yourself in that mindset um, totally. Yeah. And there's, I think you nailed it where it's like, you don't just have to fucking complete a novel, find a little to things you could get off your to-do list that can make you feel like a little bit inspired and a little bit successful, even if you just like thought of a title. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it can be just like, if you just like compartmentalize and try to like break it down. That's not, I say that and it sounds like I'm very organized. I'm not, but like there are days where I had to get do stuff and I'm not feeling creative. And then I like sort of come up with strategies for like, okay, these are like productive things I can do without actually like being creative. Yes. 
Um, final question. When was the last time you lusted over someone? It would have to be like, I mean, I have not, I guess I lust over my boyfriend. It's not an interesting answer, but I like, <laughs> I've not seen any like men IRL in so long. Like <laughs> it would have to be like a something I saw on TV and like a really weird lust. I don't know. I was rewatching Garden State and felt like I was lusting over Zach Braff, which is like kind of embarrassing. <laughs> Honestly, both that I was rewatching Garden State and that I was lusting over Zach. I don't know. I just like find him attractive in like a weird way. So it was probably no, he totally, and he has like pretty blue eyes, I think. Yeah, he's just so like, moody in that movie, and it like I felt lustful. It's it humiliating. If musicians are your type, then moody is like so yeah. on board. Yeah. I at one point there was a dark time in quarantine where I was just watching a ton of Bravo, and like Andy Cohen was like the only man I saw in a long time, and I was like, honestly, he yeah, can that's what happens. <laughs> attractive to you the further in the quarantine. <laughs> Um, to wrap this up, Ginny, you are so smart, so funny, and also so like just self-aware and laid back about your anxieties, but what advice would you give people, that was a oxymoron, but what advice would you give people on how to cope with your hell when you're going through it? Um, I would say like really don't be afraid of medication, and I was afraid of medication for a long time, even though I've been on medication forever, I'm always like really trying to get off it, but I have an obsession with like what's natural and like wanting to find something natural and I think that that's like a thing to shed kind of so that would be my advice is like shed any kind of like attachment to the natural because that's not even a real thing like even like any food you eat is like processed in some plant somewhere or whatever like and humans have evolved to the point that like our anxieties are so modern and weird that like our ancestors didn't even have to deal with and we got our anxiety from those ancestors and it's yeah I think it's just not being afraid of trying anything that can make you happy in this one life you live yeah don't be like at all embarrassed to take something for it or to even like I mean and it doesn't have to be like a medication but just like any sort of like modern day tool you can use like any kind of like app or like supplement or whatever like that can help your anxiety like go for it I love that. Ginny, where can people follow you? What projects do you have going on? Just like put yourself on for a second. Yeah. So I have a podcast coming out from Audible. It's like an, an audio uh, story of it's a narrative fiction podcast about this evil tech startup. Um, and that'll be out hopefully um, in October. And then you can find me online at uh, Ginny Hogan underscore on Twitter and Instagram. That is so exciting. Yeah, I love that you're kind of killing it on so many platforms. I hope that I can, I feel like we'll do some work together in the future. I hope that I can visit LA sometime. I hope we can do stand up together. I'm just really happy to have you on. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. This was so fun. And yeah, thanks for coming to hell, you guys. I will talk to you later. Bye. (laughs)